Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, Heavenly Father, speak to us. Make your truth live within our hearts and lives. And may we act out that truth in all of our relationships. Lord God, we ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. Well, every week I probably read something in the neighborhood of a dozen or two dozen articles from a variety of sources. And so, because I have been sort of uh, a little bit dog-tired going week after week, this past week was a really busy week for me, I thought, well, I'll suspend, I'll suspend issues hour and that kind of thing for a while. So we put out an announcement that issues hour has been suspended until further notice. Well, this is further notice. <laughs> so we'll be back at it next, next Wednesday. Yeah. And I, I believe it's important, and I can, um, I can share the leadership of that class easily, but I, I think it's an important thing that we do to come together, talk with one another, and hear each other's views, and realize that though we don't agree, we can still love each other. What a concept. And... You know, there's this language in our time that, that speaks of my truth. Well, there's no such thing as, a, uh, as my truth. Truth is something out there outside of us. What we have is my opinion. <laughs> and so opinions, I mean, when I was in seminary, I thought I was a Marxist. My opinions have changed. And if we all track the course of our lives, we, we change in our opinions all the time. If I'm going to declare something to be my truth, then I'm going to be unmovable. And if, I am, if I'm unmovable, well, you know how those people can be to deal with. Those people who are always right. And what a blessed thing to be, to be wrong. And to realize that, that there are truths that are far larger than we are. So as we talk about freedom, we talk about an ongoing process to live free. Freedom is not a once and for all accomplishment. It is that which is, is a constant, almost moving target. And, and yet it is that to which we, not just individually, but as a country, have, have aspired, as, as we should. But the taproot of American freedom is nothing less than freedom as it is exposed to us and, and given to us by the scriptures. It, it taps in, our freedom taps down into the root of, of God's word to us. 
I'm going to share just a, a few verses from the Apostle Paul. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. And so I came across these two articles, one from The Atlantic. When we think about the United States, we make the essential error of imagining it is a single nation, a marbled mix of red and blue people. But in truth, we have never been one nation. We are more like a federated republic of two nations, blue nation and red nation. This is not a metaphor. It is a geographic and historical reality. And if you're familiar with David French, he came out with a book just almost two years ago called Divided We Fall, in which he unpacked that reality in our time. And certainly we know just by watching what's going on in the news that it's true. And then in the Times, New York Times, pressed by Supreme Court decisions, the United States appears to be drifting apart into separate nations with diametrically opposed social, environmental, and health policies. Call these the disunited states. That's not a good thing. And how do we, how do we undo this? How does this, how does this get solved? Does it get solved by hard left and hard right fighting hard against each other? There are no winners in such a battle. No one wins. And, and yet as we look at our history, we have not always been this way. Alexis de Tocqueville, who wrote Democracy in America, was from France. And he came to observe what was going on here. And he said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America's great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America ceases to be great. So what is good? Where is our consensus on that which is good? It seems that if we, if we really stand up for what is right and what is righteous, as, as Tocqueville observed, all kinds of bad things can happen to us because no such consensus exists in our time. And G.K. Chesterton said, if there is one fact we can really prove from history that we really do know, it is that despotism, despotism can be a, develop, a development, often a late development, and very often indeed, the end of societies that have been highly democratic. In other words, despotism almost may be defined as a tired democracy. Is that what we have? 
we have a tired democracy? We look at our Congress and it doesn't seem anything gets done. And there doesn't seem to be things that tend to go well that we can really celebrate. So again, I, I get half my sermon illustrations from the Sam Club's pa- uh, gas pump. <laughs> and I've got my Sequoia out here, and the other day I had to put in a hundred bucks worth. And there was a, a guy and his, his boy, his boy was sitting in the car, and he was, he was just standing. He had one of these great big Ford pickup trucks. Black, shiny, beautiful car. And I said, how's it going? I said, I just put 100 in mine. How are you doing? And he pulled out the thing from his gas tank. He said, 150. Now, you, you take that. I, you know, he could afford it. I could afford it. Well, what about the guys doing our lawns? Trimming our trees? What about the people who are working in the restaurant? What about the least of our brothers and sisters? It's impacting them. And so next thing you know, there's all the finger pointing going on. Left is blaming the right. Right is blaming the left. And all of this stuff happens. And and we begin to look and feel like a disunited nation. And it, it isn't good. But in this finger pointing, there's no one taking responsibility. You see, if we're free, then we take responsibility. Freedom entails responsibility. It is not so much, Chesterton says, that we are too bold to endure rules. It is rather that we are too timid to endure responsibilities. We want freedom without responsibility. We want freedom. We want to do things without bearing the consequences of our own choices. And we we hear this now on both left and right, my body, my choice. You have been bought with a price. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, therefore glorify God with your bodies. He says, your bodies are not your own. And your freedom, you are free, as the Apostle says, to love one another. That's the freedom that we've been given. We're not free to hurt one another, to harm one another, to blame one another. Our freedom comes in in our collective effort to to try to move forward as a free nation and to try not to replicate the, the antipathy and the division of of people who have no appreciation for the price that has been paid for the freedoms that we enjoy. Herschel Williams was 18 years old and he went to sign up to be a Marine. 
And the recruiter said, I'm sorry, you're too short. He was 5'6". Get out of here. Well, soon thereafter, the rules changed. And Herschel went back and signed up to become a Marine. And he, along with thousands of other troops, stormed the shores of Iwo Jima. And as this horrific fight was going on, in which we lost 7,000, as this fight was going on, five foot six inch Herschel Williams went charging in with machine gun and, and with flamethrower. He'd run out of stuff and he'd go back and get another, get more ammunition, get more flamethrower. And, and, and he did this for four hours. And after that, he received the Medal of Honor. Herschel died this week, 98, the last World War II veteran to have received the Medal of Honor and to survive. And he was just a guy, just a guy. And he wasn't trying to prove anything to anyone. It's just that more than self, his country loved. And he did what he could. And he, like so many others, honored those that never came back. I've shared often from this pulpit about our dear brother, Peter Thomas. Peter Thomas, until he died, drove around town in an old Jeep out of solidarity for those who were left behind. Peter fought in the, in the European theater. And so these people, these ones who have paid the price for our freedom, we cannot, we cannot proceed without acknowledging them and appreciating them and remembering them. So in no small way, Fourth of July is not at all unlike Memorial Day because we remember those who've gone before us and secured our freedom. So for freedom, Christ has set you free. That means that I have responsibility. That doesn't mean I can do whatever I want. It means that I do those things that, that evidence the reality of God's love for me and for you. You know the story of the Hebrew people, they came out of Egypt, they're out there and it's dry, hot, not a lot of water. They have manna, bread from heaven, and doves. But after a while it became a lousy diet, even though moms could make all kinds of souffles and, and uh, quiche and everything else out of manna and doves, but it all was the same. And so the people started complaining to Moses that they wanted to go back to Egypt because at least there, had, there they had three squares. And they were safe. They had somebody else, however, who were taking care of their life. They were not responsible. And they didn't want freedom if freedom entailed responsibility. And Moses said, no. 
We're going forward. We're going to the land flowing with milk and honey. We're going to the land that God has promised because there we are free. We are a free people. There is no freedom under a despot. Even though we may get free stuff, that's not freedom. There's no freedom under those systems of government in which the free exercise of an individual's gifts and capabilities are curtailed. There's no freedom unless we fully embrace the responsibility that God has given to us for our choices. So yes, my dad was in the Second World War in the European theater. And he was an engineer. Engineer who washed out of the Navy because he called some guy who was uh, at a factory up in Seattle, called him a snake. And so he got, he got washed out and um, ended up in the army behind enemy lines. I didn't know this. He was behind enemy lines virtually the entire war because he was doing reconnaissance and reporting back to Colonel Abrams, fighting in Patton's 3rd Army and 4th Army Division. But Dad wrote a spiritual biography about his life that I have shared with, and I will share with all of my grandkids, but I've shared with one of them so far. But this is part of that biography. He said, during the war, even though my engineering skills were not used as technically as they would have been in peace, my spiritual life was a different matter. I was always an ever, it was always an ever-present source of strength. However, I never realized it at the time. I recall on one particular incident where I'd been in combat for many months, I thought I would never come out of the war alive. I was extremely depressed. Pinned down one stormy day in a partially demolished building somewhere in Germany, I impulsively knelt down to pray as I was in a state of extreme desperation. Suddenly, for apparent reasons, for uh, apparent reason at all, I felt a tremendous sense of relief and I knew that everything was going to be all right. In the afterglow of the exhilaration I experienced, I wrote a little poem, but not, I did not produce a gem, but here's what I wrote for what it's worth. And this poem he sent back home to his mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. The weather was dark and gloomy. My heart was full of gloom. I cried to God for succor and sunshine filled the room. Many days in the heat of battle, my heart was now filled with despair. Deep in the heart of Germany, God answered me even there. And now I'll renew with vigor the duty that lies ahead. With God by my side, I will fight on with pride to the threshold of the dead. That's just one soldier. 
That's just one. And dad didn't make it home. The family, grandkids, died at 96 years old. And on the night he died, he went up the stairs to his bedroom, my sister walking behind him. Dad went to his bedside to pray, kneeling down like a little boy, and kneeled forward onto the bed and died for freedom. Christ has set you free. Will you join me in prayer? And our Father, may we fully grasp and appropriate what it means to be a free people, striving in our own lives to be free, not subjecting ourselves to any yoke of slavery, And may we strive also that our brothers and sisters might likewise be free, that no matter what occurs in the body politic, what we can do with one another is ultimately what matters. Lord God, make us free. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.